Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Badass Ladies Club. This is Jessica. I am, of course, here with my bestie, Laurie. Hey, what's up, guys? And we are so excited that you're with us. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can check us out on Instagram at the Badass Ladies Club. You can check us out on Facebook, TikTok, YouTube. We're on all the platforms and we would love your support. And don't forget to rate and review us because that is how we climb the charts. Yeah, we want to help as many people as possible. Yes. So today's episode is about comparison is the thief of joy and social media culture. But before we get into all of that, we are of course going to start off with our badass of the week. And I'm going to hand it off to Laurie because she personally knows this person. I do. Somebody who is so dear and special to my heart. Uh, Fawn Monique Deval is uh, a colleague of mine and a really close friend. I met Fawn uh, on the uh, makeup team that I'm on for a major, major manufacturer. We do makeup education and classes. Um, sometimes we get to do shows. Fawn uh, is a owner of the Fawn Makeup Studio and Spa. She also is a runway makeup genius and so creative and um, really does inspiring, beautiful work for major fashion brands all over the country um, and has been so gracious as to include me sometimes on her teams. And um, we've got to work together in a lot of those respects. Um, but besides the professional esteem that I have for Fawn, uh, one of the big reasons that I was so compelled to make her a badass of the week is that she just has a really true servant's heart about her and is so intuitive and is a really great healer in her own right. And um, being so genuinely empathetic and loving like she is, uh, you know, social media culture is something that we're talking about today. And I feel like social media is so toxic for so many of us, and we're going to get into some of that later, that it has kind of become this dark place. Um, and what Fawn is doing with her social media right now is just blowing my mind. She is partnering with a um, animal shelter. It's called the Awesome Shelter, um, A-W-S-O-M. It's um, so she partners with them and she does energy work and energy healing on the little four-legged uh, friends that are in the shelter. So she goes Stop and- Stop it. Are you serious? No, I'm serious. Like she, How have I not seen that? It's so amazing. Everybody should go follow um, I am going to go follow, well, because I follow her professional right. page, but I- Find Fawn on, on social media because she will put up a post where she has had an opportunity to spend some time with a four-legged friend who is in the animal shelter. She does Reiki and um, lots of different energy work and love and plays with them and just gives them individualized attention. And then she takes selfies and photos and videos of them and she puts them up on her social media feeds to help get them adopted. And so it's just such a breath of fresh air on my social media feed in this really dark and discouraging time that I know that Fawn is choosing to do something that is giving of her true heart, that is helping a little being that is obviously having a really hard time in life because they're in a shelter. She is helping them get adopted a lot of times. And that it's just so inspiring to me um, as a 
energy worker that, you know, like she chooses to use it for that greater good. And that, if I'm being honest, is just one of like hundreds of things I could tell you about Fawn that would make you be like, wow, this lady is badass. I have never had the pleasure of meeting her, um, but we have, you know, a lot of mutual friends. And obviously I know that you guys know each other that I would so be honored. You're blowing my mind right now. I, you had told me about the animal shelter thing and I was like, oh, okay, cool. I didn't know it was like energy work. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you're blowing my mind right now. So fun. Come on the Come, podcast. Please. Because I guess in essence, you know, like I've known Fawn for several years. She has also been such an inspiration to me about finding your own path. Um, you know, like I said, Fawn owns her own makeup and spa studio. Um, so she's a lady entrepreneur. She has worked in so many different hierarchies in the beauty business, you know, like some of them at the very top levels of things. And then also in a lot of grassroots organizations as well. Um, and she's very good at deciding, no, this is what's right for me. And I know that that might not be the way that everybody gets to quote unquote success or happiness, but she is so good at blazing her own trail. And when you see the life that she's created around her, it is just really beautiful and fulfilling. And, That's um, so, cool. so yeah, I'm excited to invite Vaughn, uh, Vaughn on the podcast so we can talk more about all the badass things that she's doing. And you definitely have a badass box on the way lady. Um, I hope you get to come join us. That's awesome. Okay. So are we ready to dive in? Let's do this. So comparison is the thief of joy and social media culture. We, um, in prepping this episode, it was a little like, is this two different things, but really they're connected. So we decided to just lay it out there and do it all in one episode. Yeah. When researching this, I had no idea that President Theodore Roosevelt was the one who said comparison is the thief of joy. It's something that I've heard over and over. Yeah. Had no idea he's the one who I didn't said know that, that either. So thank you. Thanks, Teddy. Uh, thanks, Teddy. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, and it's something that I've had to tell myself over and over through the years when I'm feeling like I'm coming from a place of lack. Yeah. And watching everyone's highlight reel. You know what I think is really interesting about these two topics kind of converging on each other is that comparison is the thief of joy is a concept that Teddy Roosevelt felt compelled to speak on all those <laughs> decades and centuries ago, okay? But that we're talking about it today in relation to social media culture a lot. Right, something that he had no I mean idea of even existing. Yeah. Like it, so time. that it's a prevalent comparing your experience to others experiences is not a thing that has happened since we have had social media. This is a human experience that has been going on forever now. Um, and so that need to compare what you're going through to what others are going through and judging that, um, it's, it's a human element. We're all dealing with it. Yeah. So you know, this, this topic was really important to me. It was important to me to speak of right now that one, because the social dilemma is out, if but you have not watched the social dilemma, you guys like everybody, whether you're a parent or not as a human being, you need to watch it. If um, you have a smartphone, 
you should watch it, you know? Yes, absolutely. So this, but this topic was really important to me to discuss right now. One, because I've been feeling it for a long time. I kind of grew up in this age, you know, um, AOL instant messenger came out when I was in high school. Yep. Um, Zanga pages. Does anyone remember Zanga? Oh, I remember Zanga. Paul's shaking his head. He's like, yep, oh. I do. Um, We're dating ourselves here. That, right? Um, that Facebook came out, you know, my junior year that it was originally intended for college students. You had to have a college email yeah. to have a Facebook account. Um, that all of this social media stuff has shifted into something it wasn't really intended for. Yeah. And that over the years, as I have had to experience social media, cause it was really an unprecedented thing, or it is an unprecedented thing that I also have young cousins that I'm concerned for now. Shout out to my aunt and uncle. They're, badass parents in laying boundaries as far as social media is concerned. Um, but that I, I'm not just, I guess, speaking just for my cousins, but for any 13 to 15 year old out there that what I saw in the social dilemma was intense, disturbing and disturbing. And that I can only imagine that if I had that shit when I was their age, I don't know if I would have made it. Uh-uh. And that I just, oh, I so badly want to wrap these kids in my arms and say, these are just highlight reels. None of this is real. Right. This is not real life. But these little minds don't have the maturity to separate that. Well, and it becomes a never ending, uh, situation because so if I think about being in that like 12 to 15 year old range, you know, um, that a lot of times the pressure or the judgment or, um, the comparison that you had, you experienced at school or at a football game after school or in an extracurricular activity. But then that wasn't your whole life, you know, like that was just during those hours. And then you would go home to your family and you'd have a home life and that would be however it was, or you would have a weekend and you would have whatever goes on the weekends. But with social media, there is no stopping the freight train of judgment and comparison. Like you are dealing with, and I know that as an adult, um, that, it goes on as long as I have my phone in my hand. And as an adult, I can be like, okay, Laurie, you're too obsessed with what's going on on your phone right now. And you need to pay attention to like the actual people that are in front of your face, or you need to be able to focus on what's going on outside. Or I need, I need to limit my screen time. You know, like I can see that, but as a 12 to 15 year old, um, that addiction is real. And it doesn't matter if the social media makes you feel good or if it makes you feel bad, you can't put it down and to not ever have that break, um, I think is, I don't think the results are in like it is killing people, you know, like it is literally killing our youth. Yes. Um, Um, I mean, killing adults too, but the, um, the suicide rates in preteen and teen girls 
I mean, I had tears in my yeah. eyes when I was watching yeah. the social dilemma and I was like, I, I can't allow this to go on. So Adelaide, you're not allowed to have a phone till you're 30. I just, I'm going to say 35. Like <laughs> I, I, Oh God. It just, it broke my heart to see how it's changed, but also to hear these developers talk about, this is not what we intended. This was not no. meant to be like this. Um, and you had brought up a really great point the other night that I had never thought about was, was I ever meant to have such an intimate look into so many people's lives? Oh my God. Let's talk about that. Um, I think where that conversation started is that I have this recognition cause I'm a little older than you are. So I remember like in high school, I think it was like my junior or senior year in high school is when I had to take a typing class. So like, that's how far into my education I was before they even taught us how to type on a keyboard, really. Um, I was through most of school before computers were a thing. I was definitely like out of college before cell phones were really like consistently prevalent. So I had a, maybe a more stable grasp on, you know, like my identity before I had a virtual reality too, that I had to worry about. Um, but that at the time, and even now as an adult, like how many friends do I actually have? Like people who are friends in my life. Um, I probably have a good 10 close friends. And then I have hundreds of acquaintances. But if you were to get on my social media, I have a thousand friends. Oh yeah. You're the popular girl on I social mean, not, media. I mean, not really. Kidding. There's some people All who of have us, you know, a thousand <laughs> friends, you know, but, um, but that, for so long, if I knew how you felt about a hot button issue, I knew how 10 people felt about a hot button issue or God, I miss those days. I mean, really? But was I ever intended to know what my hundreds and thousands of friends on social media felt about whatever it is that they feel compelled to talk about? Um, and that it's so overwhelming, yeah. that, like that kid I had theater class with my sophomore year of high school. Do I really need to know who he's voting for? I don't. I don't. Like that. It, uh, and I could talk about this all day. It's so, we need to be careful. I mean, <laughs> I'm over careful, honestly. Like I, I don't need to know how that kid feels about those things, but, but I also don't have to listen. You know, like I always hear this idea that if you don't like it, you're, you know, you're the one who's curating your experience, you know, so that, it is so overwhelming to have that much information come at me about so many different people that before maybe I could have lived in my little bubble and known that uh, sometimes if I don't know everything about you, it makes it easier for me to have you as a, not a friend, an acquaintance in my world, because then when our paths cross, so oftentimes in the real world, your paths cross very rarely with some of these hundreds of people that you are intimately connected with on social media. Um, but now I know way more about my acquaintances lives. If I choose to watch, you know, on this platform, whatever it might be. Um, and that, that is stressful in a way that, um, that I don't know that us humans were ever really made to deal with, you know, like I, I am having a hard enough are, time man. being responsible for my own feelings and perspectives <laughs> and outlooks on things, um, that it is hard to see that in such quantity yeah. 
and people are so passionate about it, um, that yeah, it's, it's really causing a lot of conflict and strife. Yes. And I, I'll be the first to say I'm just as guilty. I've put things out there that I'm like, you know what? People really don't need to know that about me that sometimes you give into the pressure Mm -hmm. and you see so many people spreading misinformation, spewing hate, spreading love. Like, I mean, it goes all across the board Um, that, you know, that I feel like I have to pipe in. People need to know how I feel. And it's going on record right right now. Like, (laughs) this is what I think. um, That, yes, in in the past, I have been uh, compelled to share those things. But the the more we, the deeper we get into this social media stuff, I'm just like so over this. So we did talk um, about, we've, we've done episodes on boundaries before and creating a boundary with social media. I feel like because I've always tried to be, um, I don't, I'm happy to tell you how I feel about something, but I would rather sit with you and tell you. I don't want to put it on social media um, because I feel like so much gets lost in translation. And I feel like that about text messaging a lot too. You know, like I, um, I, I don't mind, I don't mind talking on the phone, you know, like I'd really rather talk to people face to face and that that's kind of a dying, I'm part of a old generation. I think where that's concerned, where so many people nowadays would rather text you, would rather you hit them up on messenger, would rather have a virtual relationship and conversation with you. Um, and I think that makes it easier for us to judge each other. And it makes it easier for us to project our own feelings onto other people. And that when I'm looking at you and I'm talking to you and I'm leaning into you, even if we are at odds about something, it's harder for me to hate you. Yeah. You know, um, and that is so lacking in this whole like social media relationship that we have with people is that you've got to have that intimate, like if you, if I lean in, even if I don't agree, I can understand. Right. So I want to speak to like my little social media break that I took. So obviously COVID was a really intense time on social media that the world stopped. Mm -hmm. Right. I had nothing else to do rather than make sure my kids stayed alive and scroll on Facebook all day. Um, and that's when, well, I mean, even before then, let's be honest, people were putting out how they feel about things, but it was such this like toxic culture of now everybody's an epidemiologist. Whoa. I had no idea, you know, that everyone now knows the answer that then shortly after the whole COVID, um, fights were happening and it was getting political is when the death of George Floyd happened. Yes. The two of them combined pushed me over the edge and it was a hard time. Laurie was witnessing my crumbling like mindset that I just got to a point where I was like, I physically mentally, emotionally cannot do this anymore. That I want to be careful with how I say this because there were a lot of people who I love and respect who I know are inherently good people, of course, saying things that I did not think were okay. 
and that I was just like, I could go the rest of my life not knowing that that's really how you feel about it. Yeah. And that nothing justifies that situation. And, you know, um, and I know that for the record, everyone thought that that was terrible. I'm not, you know, like, right. I mean, we, we all as a nation saw that. And I think that as human beings, we all said that's this, wrong. That's wrong. Yeah. This can't happen. So I'm, I'm talking about a select few of people who I think were just being, um, like not empathetic with the situation that they forgot that George Floyd was a human being with a beating heart that, and isn't here anymore. Isn't here. Um, that I, I told Laurie, I I was just like, I'm deactivating. I'm not just removing the app from my phone. I'm not just like, I'm deactivating. Mm -hmm. It's not going to exist. And I didn't put a time limit on it. I was just like, until I'm ready to be honest, the only reason why I got back on Facebook 12 weeks later was to promote this podcast. Right. That honestly, if I didn't have to promote the podcast, I probably still wouldn't be on it. That those 12 weeks were so amazing. Anyway, to your point, that instead of going back and forth on Facebook and the comment section and, you know, scrolling through and, you know, coming up with all these inner dialogues of, oh, if I could just say back to this person, this is how I feel and that they're so wrong. Is that for those 12 weeks, I was like, this is so freeing and amazing that I don't have to know how anyone feels about anything Mm -hmm. and that life does in fact go on. Yes. And that I had such peace about it. Now that I am back on Facebook to promote this podcast Because I feel like we are talking about positive things. I want to put that out there and spread that message that I find myself scrolling again, getting angry again. Mm -hmm. Just the other night, I clicked in someone's comment section and I was about to rip them a new one. Let them have it. Let them have it. And then I thought, no, Jessica, this is the cycle that you were in before. Right. This is not healthy. So now I'm trying to learn that like my boundaries with it well, and that I have to stop scrolling. Congratulate you <laughs> because that is massive growth. Like to fall back into the pattern, to recognize the pattern and to stop yourself and say, you know what? I have a choice here. I can choose to do something different. Man, that's where the magic is. But but for those 12 weeks, I forgot to say, is that I had personal conversations with people. Yeah. They weren't all easy. Right. They were actually all very difficult, Um, but that I walked out of those in-person conversations feeling like, you know, it wasn't this big confrontational knockdown drag out like it is on social media. It was one human being to another human being. This is how I see it. This is how I see it. And saying okay, I see where you're coming from. I disagree. This is where I'm coming from and walking away, feeling heard and saying, okay, that I don't agree with what this person said, but that that is so much healthier 
than having these knockdown dragouts in a comment section. It's just ridiculous. And you know why I think that is though, is because when you have someone in your face, you can't just hit the send button and walk away. Oh yeah. Like you have the emotion in their face. You've got the pain. People aren't as ugly in, in their, their eyes. Face. No, yeah. like you feel it on a level that you can't feel it. And the idea of like going after somebody for a zinger on a comment section on social media where you're like, boom, I got Mic you. drop. You know, like <laughs> it's not about understanding each other. It's about getting one over on each other. And how can I put you in your place? And that is so much harder to do in person because mm-hmm. your heart is there in person, you know, like going after the jugular is there when you have your phone to hide behind. That's cowardice. That's not, um, it's not bravery. It's brave to look someone in the eye and talk about something that you disagree about and to understand that you're both humans and entitled to your opinions and you can still love and respect each other and think about things differently. It's so much easier to isolate yourself from people and project who they are based on how they believe about things. Um, I think it's so funny because when you deactivated, I had previously for weeks before you deactivated, it had started to curate my social media experience a little bit, I guess you could say. I was um, recognizing how there were certain people that made me react. They would say something, do something, post something. I would see something and immediately the way it made me feel Um, I noticed was not good and was not um, representative of who I was trying to be. And so a lot of those people were really close friends of mine, but I didn't want to see that anymore because of the way it made me feel, not because of them, you know, like it didn't, it wasn't about them. It was about me. So there were lots of people that I, you know, like on Facebook, for instance, you can unfollow people and still be friends. So if I unfollow you, then I don't see your posts. And so I'm not so triggered or, you know, like not so upset about it, but we're still friends. And oftentimes, I guess when you unfollow people, I'm not real proficient on this whole gig just yet, but I I don't think they can see that you unfollowed them. So they're unaware of that. Right. Um, But then there were also people that I unfriended um, for a variety of different reasons that, again, were all about me. Um, And even being able to curate my experience a little bit that then I did see more, you know, like, so for every person that I dropped, I did add people that I really loved, respected, was inspired by, were um, posting things and sharing things that I was uh, really connected to um, that I did start to feel in the bubble a little bit where I was like, okay, so am I only rereading my own narrative to myself and only feeding myself what I want to see based on what I think is right. You know, like that, that's not really healthy either. So I went the route of taking, uh, the social media off of my phone that if I needed to, you know, like you said, we were working on this podcast and there were obviously a lot of things work wise, um, with the salon that I needed to keep in touch with the social media accounts. So I just did that stuff from my laptop because I found that if I could take it off of my phone, it wasn't that reflex where, okay, I don't have anything going on and I need something to distract my mind. And so I'm going to get on Facebook and see what's going on. And it was so funny because when I took it off my phone, my thumb 
remembered where yes. the button was and I kept oh gosh, going did to hit too. it when it wasn't even there, you know? And I realized how freakishly addicted my body was to going there, even though my brain and my heart were like, you don't need that. Like you can cut the cord. Like my thumb was like, oh no, that's where Facebook <laughs> that's is, where you Facebook know? That's where Facebook was, yes. And it took me several weeks to break the instinct to just go to it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a very interesting thing how you choose to consume your social media diet. Um, everybody does it a little different. Um, yes. Sorry. I feel like we got off on like a really emotional rant there. Um, I just got, Ooh, the, the COVID George Floyd thing just really fires me up sometimes. I just, it's, it was a heart, it was a heartbreaking, time and being in lockdown and having all the emotions, I was so done and over it. Um, that it's, it's been an experience. It has. I'll tell you that much, but, um, let, let's talk about comparing though and, and how social media plays into that. So you know, the first times that I really like started to recognize how much I compare my real life reality to other people's highlight reels um, was when Marie Kondo hit uh, Netflix and everybody started condoing their closets and their kitchens and their garages, God forbid. And, you know, like all of the places in their homes um, and that you would pare down all of the excess in your life and only keep these things that really sparked joy for you. And I was really inspired by all of that, and but wasn't really able to fully execute any of the, okay, I'm going to condo my house and like pare all this stuff down until COVID hit. And I had some time and space on my hands to tear things up and put them back together again. But even when I would do it in my own house, like when I would fold all of my socks the way Marie showed me to, so I could see them all and get them all. And then they were all matched and it didn't take me as long to get, pick out socks in the morning. Cause I wasn't digging through baskets full of, you know, mismatched clean socks um, that I was comparing did I keep my sock drawer like that? You know, like when I did laundry the next week, did I fold them all back the same way and put them all back in there? And then when I didn't, I would have this like guilt that Marie would be so disappointed in me if she knew that I just threw my clean socks in the drawer and didn't, you know, like put in that I started to really criticize um, something that I was inspired about in the moment. And so I jumped on the bandwagon and I did it like everybody else, but it's not in my routine, you know, and that it's more than just the flash in the pan. Um, that maybe I'm not good at housekeeping in some of those respects. Um, and that I'm comparing my real life situation to somebody whose job it is to teach someone to organize right. and fold things. And that like, she is an expert. It's what it. she does, right. you know, and that I do all of these other things. And I'm just trying to take these snippets of suggestions that she has, but I'm comparing my sock drawer to someone whose entire life and business it is to have well-organized sock drawers. And, um, so that comparison isn't always like comparing yourself to people. Sometimes it's just comparing yourself to like how many people come and sit in your chair and talk to you about your eyeliner every day, all the time. I hear multiple (laughs) times a day, people ask you how you get your eyeliner so perfect, you know, and they are comparing their eye makeup to somebody who's trained and, you know, has built a business around makeup and hair, you know, and that those are different experiences that, that I've just kind of made my eyeliner look part of my brand. Right. Is that you'll never see me out in public without my cat eyeliner. Right. That's not a thing that I'll look like a mess in every other way, 
but I will always have my cat eyeliner on. But those wings are on point. Like, the wings yeah. are on point and people ask me about it all the time. Um, and that was something that you, um, brought up to me the other night because I'm triggered when we're talking about comparison as the thief of joy, you're talking about like the Marie Kondo aspect. I have a similar trigger, my triggers and oh my God, my friends who are listening to this, please don't feel bad or hate me for this, but I'm triggered by seeing the perfect, you know, seasonally decorated mantles Mm -hmm. and the perfectly seasonal decorated porches and everyone posting pictures of their kids in their clean, crisp matching outfits as if they've never played in dirt in their lives. And that I find myself so many times feeling like, why can't I get my shit together enough to do this stuff? And that I feel like I'm not the Pinterest mom. I'm not a good mom. I'm not a good woman for keeping a clean house and that I don't decorate seasonally and that, you know, my porch doesn't look like it's on the cover of home and gardens magazine. And that that makes me less than, which is stupid bullshit and ridiculous. Um, but that as an adult, like those are the things that are bothering me. Mantles, Jessica, are you kidding me? (laughs) Right. What importance does that have on my worth as a human being? It doesn't. And, you know, that I went on this rant the other night talking to Laurie when we were prepping this episode about, like, I I see Instagram feeds of, like, rustic farmhouse chic, which is not my style. (laughs) This is so funny. But I want it. (laughs) I want my house to look like that. It's not my thing. It's too light. It's too airy. You don't even like it. I don't like it but you want it, but I want it. Not funny. Damn it. And then I'm like, why is my brain like this? <laughs> or we even talked about the home edit. That, yeah. That I've, um, like these ladies on the home edit, they go in and organize like people's pantries and all of their cereals in these perfectly clear containers. And, you know, you see all of their books are organized in uh, color theory and everything looks so aesthetically pleasing. It's really good. Okay. <laughs> um, but in, practice that all of those images, if you look on the home edit, they just went into somebody's house and did all that. And it looked that great, but I wonder what it looks like in three weeks. Right. Like it probably looks like my house and, but I don't see that. I only see the feed that shows it to me in perfect balance and perfection. And I'm comparing my three week old organized pantry to what theirs looked like the day that they paid someone to come in and do it. Um, and that might be similar to what people are looking at on my social media feed. Because right now, if you look at it, it's full of produced photos that you and I paid somebody to take of us. I know. And we are glam squad hair and makeup artists. And that if you look at my highlight reel right now, it probably looks a lot different than my Sunday morning situation, <laughs> you know, and that everybody is putting up this front of look at whatever it is that I want to deliver to you right now on social media. And that that stuff is a curated snapshot or picture a lot of times of what it is that we are selling. Oh, for sure. And it's very mindful, you know? Um, and yeah, you, you had brought up to me the other night when I went on my rustic farmhouse (laughs) rant, you know, that I was like, I don't even like it, but I want it, damn it. And (laughs) that, um, 
that you were like, yeah, Jessica, but you know, you feel like you don't have your shit together because you don't, by the way, there's not even a mantle in my house. I don't even have a fireplace, but <laughs> I somehow want to decorate one. Yeah. Um, that, you know, Laurie told me, you know, yeah. So, okay. You want this pretty aesthetically pleasing looking home decor, but do you know how many people are probably looking at your social media right now? Like, look at her makeup. She's so beautiful. Like, that, look at her hair. You know, um, that, and that is perfectly curated because I'm definitely not posting on social media, like without makeup, unless it's like a transformation thing. Like, I, yeah, I, no. I have posted transformations, yeah. but that, um, my DMS are, I wouldn't say full, but my DMS are, you know, I, I get messages all the time. What eyeshadow palette did you mm -hmm. use? Your eyeshadow is so perfectly blended. And you know, when clients ask me that, they're like, what eyeshadow? I'm like, this is seven different colors. Right. They're like, what? Of 12 different brands. Like, right. And, yeah. um, and I like, like to know my makeup bill last girl, year. Like, right? <laughs> like, um, it's, it's a process. This yeah. didn't happen by accident. Mm -hmm. This was a perfectly curated, intentional look that, um, and we're going to dive into that in later episodes with, um, you know what I think is so funny Looks about that bad. though, is like, we're here talking about comparing yourselves to others and how unhealthy and unnecessary that is. But I know that even just because so much of, you know, when people look at your feed and they are connected to like your makeup or your eye makeup or your hair, you know, like even we both wear hair extensions, obviously sometimes, you know, like I've got 18 inches of hair extensions and people all the time are like, oh my God, your hair is so amazing. Like how long did it take you to do. And when I tell them, oh, this is, I mean, it's my hair cause I paid for it, but right. you know, like I didn't grow this hair. Um, they're so surprised that it's fake, you know, or that in that. Oh yeah. When I had my hair extensions, I just took out my 22, 22 inch. Yeah. I just took out my 22 inch extensions, which I'll put back in later probably. Someday. But, um, but that so many of my clients would walk in and be like, why can't my hair grow like that? I'm like, mine didn't. No, it's all smoke and mirrors. This is like, smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Like this, this is not real. But I know how hard you have worked to build your image and that that is something that's really important to you. And I've even compared myself to you. Like, I think the last time it happened, it was one of uh, the Hancock kids birthdays. I don't know which one, but we were at a birthday party and it was a Sunday party, you know, and on Sundays I'm like, mm, I'm going to skip that makeup gig. Yeah. Like <laughs> I am. And uh, I, did I show up in full glam? You didn't usual? just show up in like, you were obviously hair and makeup up, but you were like wearing heels and like you were done. Like we were going to bass hall for a <laughs> show or something. And uh, it was, that sounds so, like me, but like, it was so Jessica, like it didn't, and I remember when we were taking pictures, like with the kids or whatever, and you were like done up to the nines You're like, and Here I was I am like, in my yoga pants. really, I think I was wearing a band t-shirt and yoga pants and maybe even a hat. I don't know. It was just so indicative of like, it's important for Jessica and a priority for Jessica to get up, get the hair and makeup done, do the look. And it's, it's part, part of, it's part of my ritual. It is. And that it makes you feel good and empowered to do that, which is why you do it. And that for me, having that Sunday day where I didn't think about all of those things because I think about them in my work, you know, like the rest of the week, that's what was good for me. 
And that when I do, when I have that instinct of like, shit, should I have put on some eyeliner and mascara before no, we did that? a kid's birthday party. Right. That, <laughs> that it was totally okay that I yeah. didn't do that, but it didn't stop me from having that initial, like comparing myself to other people's decisions, you know? And even, you know, like it was one of the handicapped kids, like Mandy also had on hair and makeup and everything. Cause she was going to be taking birthday pictures with her kids and stuff, you know, and all of that. I, it just is so funny to me that as much as I'm consciously aware of trying to not compare myself to other people, that it is just like this, it, you can't help it. It's an instinct. It's yes, a reflex. It is a total instinct. Yes. And, um, I find myself doing this, you know, you and I know the tricks. We know how to make your face look lifted to make your eyes rid of the double chin to, you know, the being hair and makeup artists, like we know the tricks, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't stop me from going on Kim Kardashian's Instagram, damn it. And just being like, why is she just the epitome of what I think is the most beautiful woman in the world? When I know, I know those extensions. I know that lace front. Yeah. And okay. For me, Kim Kardashian makeup is like natural soft glam for me, (laughs) which in the makeup world is not true. Like Reese Witherspoon is more like that beautiful, natural look. But for Jessica standards, I'm like, oh no, Kim Kardashian is natural all the way or die. Like, Like, um, which is so ridiculous because obviously she has a brand yes, and like all the Kardashian Jenners do, um, that I know their tricks. I know what they're doing, but that does not stop me from comparing myself to these million billionaires right? <laughs> and saying, why can't I look like that? You know what I look at with them more than like their visual appearance is that they're on on the surface, on TV and on social media, who knows what it's like in real life. That's what I'm saying. Like all we know is what we're shown. Oh yeah, for sure. That they're so committed to, um, like their workouts and their, um, eating and their routines and that they're so, um, committed to their health in that respect until I think about like, well, but that's, um, kind of like Marie Kondo's software, you know, like that, that's what they do for a living, right. you know, is, that's their job to look that is good. to look like that. And so the fact that they have the money, time investment and priority to put that in front, like I could look like that if I wanted to, right. I could hire a personal trainer. You I could get up at 4am 4 4 every day. I could do the work. Out, yeah. Like I could commit to eating the, you know, the greens and the lean right. proteins and, and cutting out the, the chair, sugar. And... Let your glam squad do you up. Absolutely. Like, but we the, could totally live that life. We just don't. We just don't. And that that is a conscious choice on my part not to live like that, you know? And so, like you said, we know how to get to where these people are that we try and compare ourselves to sometimes but we're just not willing to do the work. Okay. But that a 13 year old girl doesn't spinning it back to what we were talking oh my God, about yes. in the beginning. Like, and that's what worries me. Like for my cousins is that, you know, I, I just so badly, especially these little girls, I just want to wrap them up and say like that it's all fake, honey. Like yeah. it is fake, intentional curated that, um, this is a brand. This is a job, um, that, Nobody wakes up looking like that. Right. I think about too, like, what if I did say that to a kid that age, would they even hear me? Mm -hmm. Probably not. And so how 
do we best support younger generations that are navigating this space that none of us have ever been in? Like, like you said, this has never happened before in the humanity, you know, that we know of where people are having to deal with the pressures of social media comparison, the way that some of these kids have to, the only way I know to support them, because obviously when I know, and even when people who are my elders now tell me things that are probably hardcore wisdom. Like I hear it, but I don't hear it on the level I should. Um, I got to act and lead by example. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I have to do is yeah. to consistently take the actions that I'm hoping that these girls take and show them that however they show up is enough, mm-hmm. you know, and whatever it is that you have to offer is valid. And we have spoken about this a lot, um, in respect to some of the affirmations that you do with Adelaide in the mornings, um, that when you're doing that with your four-year-old, that that's helping me as a 42 year old be like, yeah, man, like I'm worthy and I'm smart and I'm capable and I can do this, you know, and that those things are, um, relevant no matter what you're dealing with. And so to lead by example is, uh, and so what, what I'm really afraid, um, obviously besides the suicide rate among these young people is that I think that social media gives this scarcity versus abundance mm-hmm. idea that, um, there's not enough for me that everyone else has more and that I don't have enough. I'm lacking and I'm guilty of it. I'll be the first to say, um, that there's just not enough to go around and poor me. Mm. And, you know, and I, something I haven't mentioned, I do this a lot looking at people going on vacations. When I see my peers going like traveling the world and going to these, these amazing places quite often, I'm like, how the hell do you even afford that? I know you probably don't make that much money, but I don't know what their credit card debt looks like. You know, no one's posting. I'm in massive debt. Or maybe they're not, maybe they're using points and I just need to learn how to spend smarter, you know, that, I mean, it could be good or bad, but that, um, you don't know what they sacrificed to be able to go on that trip. They could be eating ramen noodles, you know, for months. They could have sold a car to do that. You know, that, um, you know, that I kind of compare it to being in theater is that, you know, or even this podcast everyone only sees 10% of that tip of the iceberg. No one sees that giant 90% that's under the water, all that hard work that built up to that peak. Nobody knows that, that we're rambling sees. until midnight on school nights. So we can Jeez, figure like, this out. Like. <laughs> just this past weekend, I was over at your house till 1130 at night. Um, when I had to be at work at 830 the next yeah. morning. And <laughs> that was a rough Saturday, but all that to say is that, um, it, no one, no No one one sees sees the work. work. Yeah. And that you so often, and I find this, you know, like we're talking a lot about comparing ourselves as far as housekeepers or comparing our looks to other people, but I am so guilty of comparing my success to other people's success or to other businesses success, you know, like, anytime that I've been struggling with what I'm doing for a living, it's hard for me not to look at other people that are doing it 
the right way in my estimation and trying to figure out what they're doing right that I'm doing wrong. Mm -hmm. Chances are they did just as many things wrong as I did, you know, like they just did it before me and that uh, it's so easy to want to jump ahead and be like, well, why don't I have that level of success? Why can't I get to that place in my career? Um, I can, I just have to do my own journey to get there. And, um, and that people who are successful, however you define that, are probably struggling in places in their life that you are really blessed in mm-hmm. and, um, and that you don't see that either. You don't see the sacrifice that people put down to get to where they were going. Um, and it is, like you said, this whole like scarcity versus abundance mentality that if I know that I'll get to where I'm going, you know, because the world is abundant and beautiful and I'm on the right path and that everything is unfolding for me, not to me, that it gives you a lot different jumping off point where then you can be excited and supportive of other people's successes and know that for them to get where they got, they had to work hard to do that. And you can do that too, you know, and it might look different, but you're going the same place. Yeah, for sure. Um, So we've also talked a little bit about that everybody uses social media for something different. And then this is where I feel like a hypocrite. It's, it's a weird thing. Cause again, (laughs) none of us have ever had to navigate this whole situation until now. So it's a, it's a new frontier, but that a lot of us, like I've always been really grounded in this idea that social media is great for work and promotion. Mm-hmm. Like it's great to catch up and see what my friends from high school are doing. People that I, you know, haven't seen or heard from in 20 years. And then I get to see what their world is like. And that's, you know, got a warm, fuzzy aspect to it, I guess. And that's cool. I know that there are like family members that have been reunited on social media. You know, like it has a lot it has of a really lot of great points. Yeah. Great things. It, missing children are found, you know, like lots of really cool things come of that. But that besides that aspect or just us promoting the podcast or us promoting something that's going on at work or showcasing your work, taking pictures of your hair work or makeup work or, you know, all of those things. It's excellent for that platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like in just in the last six months or so, we've been using it a lot to promote healing and um, helping encourage people to do the work because it's worth it but that there are also people that use social media for other things. And, you know, we are in an election year. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of politically motivated uses of social media right now to try and put people against each other or to try and divide people um, by only putting things in front of you that will continue to reinforce uh, the division that we're seeing. But then there's also people who are really struggling out there. And that a lot of times they do use social media as a means for telling people, hey, I'm struggling. I'm and, not okay. And I need help. And um, and they get uh, a lot of validation that comes back at them where people are like, oh my gosh, you're doing so good. Or, you know, like people we're that are here for you, here for you and you get that support on social media. And I will say like, that is not anything that I've ever done with social media. Like I've never used it as a, cause if I need support or I'm struggling with something that I'll just come to you, mm-hmm. you know, like I'll go to my husband, I'll go to the people, um, face to face in my world that I know are there for me for that. And so it's hard for me to watch people struggle in social media in a public way like that, 
Um, but when we've talked about this before, it just makes me really grateful that I have people in my real life that I can go to because they may right. not have it's that. Hard, yeah. That, um, and that's what I was talking about. Like feeling like a hypocrite is that I judge people for only putting out the highlight reels and being like, look how perfect my life is. But then I also feel like I judge people for, I want to say this carefully. Um, I judge people for, I guess saying like, Oh, this is terrible. I'm struggling. I like the constant whining. Yes. And that when I see those kinds of things, I'm like, I don't have the emotional capacity. Like I don't want that energy, but then I have to snap out of it and say, hold on, Jessica, you get all pissed off about people only posting how life is great Mm -hmm. and not being real enough. And here's someone you actually really care about who's struggling and you're pissed off that they're putting that out there. Like you can't win. I'm never happy. (laughs) And that I probably need to work on that. Um, and that, yeah. So I like to use social media for work, for promotion. I really try to keep like the personal, like super personal stuff off. You'll never, you'll rarely see me, uh, post pictures of Adelaide. Mm -hmm. I like posting funny things that she does like, you know, but, um, that I'm, I'm going towards using social media just for hair and podcasts. Right. And that, um, if you want to know how I'm doing, just, you have my number. Yeah. Hit me up. up. You know, but that I think I've become really open to this idea that it's okay for it to be different for different people. Right. And that the more I need to get on board with that. (laughs) Well, and that the more I learn about social media, um, obviously we've all learned so much about it over the last few weeks since the social dilemma came out, you know, is that the less, um, emotionally connected I am to it, the happier I am. And Mm -hmm. I'm really motivated by how I feel about things right now. And that in general, I feel really inspired and excited about sharing the awesome things that we're doing with this podcast and the awesome things that we get to do at the salon and, um, all the awesome. I'm excited and passionate about the awesome. Um, I have zero interest in anything political Mm -hmm. on social media because I know how much of that is, uh, conflated to try and trap me. Mm -hmm and to trap others into uh, misunderstanding one another and creating more division. And right now, as far as like my political outlook on life, it is like, if you're not trying to come together, then I got no use, you know, like the division tactics are um, harmful um, in a way that I can't get behind on social media that it's okay for uh, me to just focus on what makes me feel great about it. Yeah. And if that's not what it is, well then guess what? I am, I've got free will. I can put that phone down, you know, like I can walk away and I'll say this much about, uh, the, the young girls that are out there struggling with the comparing themselves and not being able to turn off that toxic, you know, narrative that's coming at you from all directions is, uh, when Adelaide gets old enough and she's in that space or any of the other, you know, Violet gets there, any of my littles that um, are in that space, I'll be the person that is there to talk to you to your face, you know, and to, um, that sometimes we maybe just let things go too easily. And that I know as a 42 year old woman, I'm struggling with comparing myself to people, especially on social media, that we've got to get better at having those conversations and 
um, really supporting each other in the pain point, you know, like that, that stuff is, is hurtful. And so, um, I don't know what to do besides shine a light on it. And when you can see that people are struggling with it, that even if it doesn't go anywhere, just letting somebody know, Hey, I'm here for you and I'm holding space for you and you got this and yeah, yeah. forget the haters. Amen to that. All Whew. right. So, uh, Got fired up a couple times. I mean, that's kind of the nature <laughs> of this sort of conversation, I, I guess. Know. Uh, okay, guys. So uh, let us know what you think about this episode. How has social media affected your life? Do you find yourself comparing? But on another note, comparison doesn't have to be the thief of joy. No. It could be a vehicle for motivation. Absolutely. So do you use comparison? Do you let it... Um, hinder you or support you. So, I mean, there's two sides to that coin. We didn't really get into the, it could motivate you part. You know what? Sometimes, uh, motivation to make better choices, you know, based on what you see going on, like sometimes social media gives you the possibilities. Yeah. You see what's possible out there. So give us some feedback on this episode. Um, because I have a feeling that we'll probably continue to talk about such things. So, um, and I definitely want to hear from, uh, our listeners, like what type of social media boundaries have you put into your diet of consuming on the socials? You know, like I think about it a lot, like what I'm deciding to eat and drink, like what I put in my brain is uh, a big factor. So I want to know, like, you know, I took the app off my phone to limit my consumption. Um, what are some other cool ideas that you guys have about, you know, like I know a lot of people don't take the phone into the bedroom or they don't, they phones go away during dinner time. Like, I love these ideas about things that we've done in our lives that keep us from using our phones or like in my car. I, I need to keep it in my purse, like in the back seat away from me. Cause there's no reason for it to be in my hand while I'm driving, you know, like these things, uh, more ideas about limiting your consumption that uh, keep you healthy, healthier. I would love to hear. So guys, don't forget to subscribe, like share wherever you listen to your podcast, find us on Instagram, Facebook, the badass ladies club. See you guys next week. See you guys. Bye.